Welcome to the Sanctuary Therapy Journey podcast, where we will embark on a transformative exploration of Sanctuary Therapy. I'm your host, Donna Myers, owner and provider for the Canadian Sanctuary Institute, and I am thrilled to have you join me on this powerful journey to discover how Sanctuary Therapy can bring healing and transformation to our clients. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Sanctuary Therapy Journey podcast. I'm your host, Donna Myers, and I'm brought to you by the Canadian Santre Institute. So if you're a mental health professional here in Canada looking for high quality Santre therapy training, then look no further. Please note that the cart is now open for the Santre therapy credential program that will be in January 2024 in Calgary, Alberta. You won't want to miss this as seats are limited. So this podcast is a space where mental health professionals gather to explore the deep and profound therapeutic power of Santre therapy. Whether you're a beginner or an advanced practitioner, This podcast offers advanced insights and practical guidance to help you along in your journey. I'm your host, Donna, and today we're delving into a poignant yet crucial topic of grief and loss. I have to admit, this is a very difficult topic to write about. As I was writing the content for this podcast, I needed a lot of time to reflect. In December 2022, I lost my only youngest sibling at Christmas time. It was Santre therapy that would actually help me recover and heal from this incredible and very painful experience. Why I share this is because I want everyone to know that grief is an experience as universal as it is deeply personal. Each person's grief looks different, shaped by the unique contours of their experiences and emotions. As therapists, it's our role to provide that safe, non-judgmental space where our clients can explore, express, and make sense of their grief. Let's briefly talk about the word universal. This means that death is inevitable and the one thing the human race all has in common and has experienced. Just as sadness is a reminder of the value of joy, death is a reminder of the value of life. We need death because without it, we would forget about our own mortality and the preciousness of each moment. Without death, we would be constantly living life for granted, never appreciating all that has gone into making our lives what they are today. So let's pause for a moment and discuss brain integration for a second. Daniel Siegel has described brain integration in nine steps that one should always try to achieve. He discusses temporal integration. Temporal integration is the way we differentiate our longings for certainty, permanence, and immortality from and link them with the realities of life's uncertainty, transience, and mortality. When people deny one or the other side of this temporal state, rigidity or chaos can ensue. 
He provides us with an example of a friend of his who had cancer successfully removed, yet this woman became profoundly depressed. At 50 years of age, she had never thought she'd have to face becoming ill or dying. He explains that she actually is not that unusual, as many people deny death and live as if this will never befall them. Her depression, even in the face of her full recovery from the surgery, is an example of a rigidity that comes from impaired temporal integration. These existential issues are a theme of our common humanity, so it makes sense that grief is often complex to so many, whether it be a sudden loss or palliative in nature. Grief is that emotional state that just knocks you off your feet and comes over you like this large wave. Grieving has somewhat of a time component to it. Grieving is what happens as we adapt to the loss of our loved one being permanently gone and moving on with our life while carrying the absence of them with us. One of the ways grief may manifest in individuals is through the five stages as proposed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. In the sand trade, these stages can present themselves in various different ways. For example, denial might appear as a barren or chaotic tray. Perhaps the client uses fewer or no figures or places them randomly with no apparent relationship or order. This could represent their struggle to grasp the reality of their loss or an attempt to avoid or suppress the painful emotions. Anger. Anger may be represented by destructive or aggressive worlds. A client may choose a dragon or a monster miniature, for instance, to embody their rage. The layout might be chaotic with miniatures overturned or placed haphazardly. Bargaining might involve scenes of negotiation or desperate attempts to restore order. This could look like a scene where one figure is pleading with another or a client meticulously arranging the miniatures and elements in the tray to simulate control or order amidst the chaos of their emotions. Depression could be seen through a dark, somber tray. They may choose miniatures that symbolize sadness or isolation, like a lone miniature or a miniature with its head down. Acceptance might bring a sense of calm or resolution to the scene. This could look like a balanced, harmonious layout or perhaps a miniature that represents the deceased in a place of honor or peace. But grief is not always so linear or predictable as Elizabeth Kubler-Ross suggests. It ebbs and flows, it circles back and it surprises. It's our role to take this journey with our clients through this terrain with patience, empathy, and respect. It is also important for mental health professionals to not pathologize grief, knowing that it is universal and its experience will look different for every client. In Santry therapy, we can use both directive and non-directive approaches to aid this journey. After initially meeting with your clients and providing some psychoeducation on Santray therapy, it is very important that you assess and understand how your client is coping. 
You may want to provide some sand tray prompts, such as choose a miniature that represents your sadness, your anger, or your heartache, etc., to assess their ability to cope in the here and the now. Get a sense before allowing your client to display grief on how they're going to manage when on their own. A non-directive approach is always best as this allows the client to freely explore their feelings and experiences in the sand tray. A client, when provided a non-directive approach, has capacity to go quite deeply and quickly. So as I mentioned, it's very important to assess coping and risk levels in a non-directive approach. You, the therapist, provides the space, the tools, and the quiet supportive presence. On the other hand, if your client is unsure where to begin or easily becomes overwhelmed or has been known to use maladaptive coping skills such as numbing techniques to numb their emotions, like using self-harm, alcohol, binge eating, etc., then a directive approach provides more structure and guidance for them. We may suggest a specific task or theme encouraging the client to express their grief through this lens. I'm going to provide you 10 examples of directives that can be used to explore grief in the sand tray. Just keep listening as I'll put them in the show notes for use for later. So number one, create a tray that represents how you're feeling right now. Number two, Build a world that shows what you wish you could say to the person you've lost. Number three, use the miniatures to represent your support system during this time. Number four, make a world that shows a memory you have with the person you're grieving. Number five, build a world that represents your life before the loss and then modify it to reflect life after the loss. Number six, Create a sand tray that shows the hardest part of your day. Number seven, use the sand tray to show what comfort looks like to you. Number eight, build a scene that represents your hopes for the future. Number nine, make a sand tray that captures a dream or a nightmare you've had since your loss. And number 10, create a world in the tray that shows how you envision healing or moving forward from this loss. Remember, the goal is not to rush or force the process, but to offer different perspectives and opportunities for expression and exploration of their grief. Whether we are using a directive or non-directive approach, it's important to maintain a stance of openness, curiosity, and respect for your client. We are not there to fix or solve grief, but to bear witness to it and support our clients in their journey through it. So how else does grief show up in the sand tray? When adults engage in sand tray therapy to explore grief, the resulting sand trays are often multi-layered and complex. You might notice motives of isolation and emotional fragmentation. For example, miniatures may be placed far apart from each other, signifying a sense of separation or aloneness that grief often brings. Additionally, reoccurring themes such as dark colors or walled-off sections of the tray may signify depressions or feelings of being trapped in sorrow. 
Miniatures that represent time, like clocks or hourglasses, might be used, indicating a preoccupation with the passage of time and the permanence of this loss. You may see more darker miniatures being used, such as gravestones, coffins, emotions, and abstract items. For your adult client, it might be beneficial to engage in existential questioning surround their sand tray asking about the meanings they attach to life, to death, and the relationships within their sand trays. As with all clients, it's important to be mindful of how the client might be transferring unresolved grief onto you or the therapeutic setting. This can be a rich area to explore. In the case of children, the manifestations can be surprisingly abstract, showcasing their internal confusion and often their lack of the cognitive tools to comprehend the concept of mortality fully. For example, a child might place a cheerful figure next to a sad or lifeless one, not to juxtapose them, but perhaps to express a mix of confusing emotions that they're feeling concurrently. Miniatures might be half-buried, possibly indicating the child's partial understanding or denial of the situation. Death miniatures, monsters, or rainbow worlds indicative of heaven may all be possible. Children often think in terms of story and metaphors. Encourage them to describe their santry with a narrative story. This often makes it easier for them to externalize and talk about their emotions. With children, consider having family sessions involving the santry to explore how the grief is affecting the family dynamics. It's a safe way to show the child that grief is a shared experience. Now let's explore a case example of mine. A young boy, we're going to call him Sam, who's eight years old. Sam had lost his father unexpectedly and is experiencing a lot of anger as part of his grief. During the initial sessions, I used a non-directive approach, allowing Sam to freely explore the sand tray. Sam had chose miniatures that were aggressive and destructive, dinosaurs, monsters, and soldiers. His ongoing sand trays were continuously chaotic, with these miniatures often attacking or destroying one another or other items. This seemed to mirror his anger and the upheaval in his life. In one session, Sam arrived and appeared just not himself. I asked Sam to show me how he was feeling right now. Sam chose a large dinosaur figure, placed it in the middle of his sand tray, and scattered a bunch of smaller people around it. He displayed it as a dominant anger, overshadowing everything else. He remained quiet for the rest of the session. In talking about the dinosaur, I asked if he would share how the dinosaur expresses his anger and he destroyed the sand tray and all the miniatures within it. This helped Sam express and explore his anger. Through these prompts, Sam was able to give his anger a shape and a story, which is the step towards understanding and eventually managing it. I did use a directive in one subsequent session and asked Sam to build a scene that shows a happy memory with his father. And in another session, can you create a special place in the tray just for your dad? This provided a balance to the anger-focused work and allowed Sam to express his love and longing for his father. 
Over time, Sam's worlds in the sand tray began to change. The aggressive miniatures appeared less frequently and were less dominant. New miniatures began to appear, a family of animals, a superhero, and a tree. His worlds became more structured and less chaotic. This suggested that Sam was beginning to integrate his grief, that his anger was less overwhelming, and that other emotions and experiences were emerging. I feel that my example illustrates well the power of Santre therapy in helping a child navigate the turbulent waters of grief. By honoring Sam's anger and providing that safe creative space for him to express it, I was able to help Sam begin to understand and integrate his grief. By using both non-directive and directive approaches, I was able to meet Sam where he was at, support this exploration of his feelings, and gently guide him towards healing. This is a very client-centered approach. Now some work for you. So whether you're driving and listening to this or sitting in an office or home, I want to provide you these two scenarios and invite you to imagine what you would do with these clients. What prompts might you ask? What curiosities might you have? Explore how your knowledge and skills of Santre therapy may play out in these two scenarios. First, a nine-year-old girl named Emily who lost a parent. In her Santre, she places a large tree that overshadows smaller figures of a family. Next to the tree, there's an empty chair. The chair distant yet still part of the world. Emily places pebbles leading from the family miniatures to the chair. She builds this in silence and announces she is done. Where as a therapist might you go? Take a moment, think about it before we discuss. So where did you go with Emily? Did you ponder and be curious about the chair? or perhaps the pebbles as a journey of source? What about the family and what might they be feeling? Or perhaps how Emily was feeling in the moment while she was building and showing you her world. Is that what you did? Great work. Now for the adult client, consider Tom. He's a middle-aged man grieving the loss of a close friend. He creates a sand tray with a wall separating two distinct environments, one chaotic, filled with miniatures of monsters and dark clouds, and the other serene, complete with a Zen garden and peaceful miniatures meditating. When he announces he's done, where do you go? Take a moment to think. Okay, so for Tom's tray, where did your curiosity take you? What did you want to know more about? Where did you explore within his sand tray? Well, I bet you explored the elements in both sections of the tray separately, then perhaps discussing what the wall symbolizes for Tom. What about the dichotomy within his tray? Did this all have you curious? If so, great job. It for sure could represent internal conflict and or confusion. By understanding the complexities and layers revealed through the sand tray, as the therapist, you can guide your clients, be they children or adults, through the labyrinth paths of grief, providing them the necessary emotional and psychological tools to emerge with a renewed sense of understanding and acceptance. 
Well, I hope this expanded your knowledge and understanding of how deeply Santray therapy can dive into the complexities of grief. Remember, these are just possibilities. It really is endless. Grief is not always so linear or predictable, and each client Santray will be as unique and a reflection of their own personal journey through grief. So join me next time as we continue on our journey into the rich and transformative world of Santray therapy. Again, whether you're just starting your Santray journey or you're a seasoned practitioner, then I'm here to support you, inspire you along this journey. Thank you for tuning into the Santray therapy journey. And remember the power of healing is in the journey, not the destination. I'm your host, Donna Myris, and take care. This episode was brought to you by the Canadian Santray Institute. For all your training needs in Santray therapy, head on over to www.canadiansantrayinstitute.ca to learn more.